Hi, welcome to Getaway Day. I'm Gautam, joined by Mason. And today we're going to be getting into some hot and cold starts around Major League Baseball uh, this early season. Um, and before we do that, we're also going to talk a little uh, this week in baseball, bringing back a popular segment, if I do say so myself, from last year. And um, we've also got a listener question that we're going to get to at the end. So how are you doing today, Mason? I am doing great. It is uh, fill-in day of week, Tuesday, Wednesday. I, I don't remember, honestly. It's Wednesday. Um, Getaway day. Wednesday. Right. Um, yeah, it's Wednesday. It's been a good week so far. I'm just kind of chilling. It's finally starting to warm up again. So I'm doing well. How are you? I am also doing well and um, watching this Cubs game and it's raining really, really hard there. So they're not quite getting the spring that you are, but hopefully we'll be there soon. Yeah, it's just a a matter of time now. We're about to hit May, so we should be getting May flowers. Hopefully. That sounds good so, to me. Yeah, but no, so it's warming up here, but you know what is uh, still pretty cold? What? Joe Madden's baseball decision-making. Yes, indeed. So if you haven't heard about what happened over this past weekend with the uh, Angels and the Rangers playing a series, um, I'll set up the the scenario here and then you can respond to it. So the Angels are are down 3-2 in the fourth inning of a game. Uh, they had the lead coming into this inning, but Reed Detmers got into a little bit of trouble. He gave up a few runs, and he gets removed from the game. There's a runner on first and third, and Joe Madden brings in right-handed reliever Austin Warren. This guy's a really young pitcher. Last year, he was a rookie. He's, he's pitched maybe 20 games in his career. Pretty solid pitcher. Uh, he's done well so far in his very limited time at the major league level. He comes in and he immediately uh, walks Marcus Simeon on four pitches to load the bases. The next move is the the key move in in the whole situation. Joe Madden puts up the four fingers and he walks Corey Seager intentionally with the bases loaded down a run. Um, to put them down by two runs at this point. The next batter, Mitch Garver, hits a uh, sack fly. And uh, basically, the Angels won the game anyways. They they somehow came back to win this game. But the, this decision-making is really unheard of. It's never really happened like this in history. So what do you think about Joe Madden's decision-making here? Uh, it broke my brain. Um, why? Like, so I get Corey Seager is incredibly ridiculously good. He's the scariest hitter on that lineup, quite frankly. Uh, and you have a rookie pitcher who isn't an insane strikeout guy. And Corey Seager doesn't really strike out. And I and understand I, the, the platoon advantage, like a right-handed pitcher facing the left-handed Seager. It makes sense. You maybe want to work carefully to him, but to actually just let him go in the fourth inning of a game, that's the part that, that gets me. It's like, this has happened where players have been walked with the bases loaded. The last time it actually happened was Barry Bonds in 2008. 
And it happened a couple times that same season to Barry Bonds. It, it ha- it? It's happened two times to Bonds ever. It's happened now six times in the history of baseball. But it's always happened in the later innings. It's always happened in the eighth or ninth inning in a really close game. Um, and this situation is completely different because you've got half the game left to play. And you're basically um, – Joe Madden, he, he wasn't thinking ahead at all. If he, he should have been able to see the scenario where Simeon either got hit or walked. Like, it's like he didn't even think one batter ahead. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, no, it, it really doesn't. And, like, the other thing with it is, like, yeah, Garver is not Seager. But, but he's not I a pitcher, be, and he's not a—he's not like a terrible hitter at all. Yeah, he's a really good hitter. Like, and there was one out in the inning. Yeah, like yeah. what the heck? So and, from and, from no and angle, mathematically, it doesn't make any sense. Mathematically, it doesn't make sense either. I'm reading—I've uh, got an article from Fangraphs here. Uh, ben Clemens on Fangraphs. Um, the the title of the article it, very straightforward. Don't intentionally walk anyone with the bases loaded. That's the title of the article. And it goes through and he's talking about like um, doing a, a win probability uh, estimate and stuff with just like generic rosters. Um, it, they would have expected Texas in that situation to score another one and a half runs that inning, like on average, and had a 77% chance to win the game. By intentionally walking Seeger, well, and, and that was with generic rosters. It's actually higher than that whenever you um, factor in like the actual players uh, okay. being better than average. Um, it goes up to 1.75 runs on average and about an 80% win percentage expectancy for Texas. Walking Seeger guarantees they get a run. So instead of there being like a a point two runs uh, attributed to his plate appearance and the expectancy, you're guaranteeing it's one run. Like he could have struck out, he could have grounded out. You throw home and get the force out there and stops stop a run from scoring. Like there's other things that could happen, but instead you just willingly give up a run to go down five to three. And then still have Garver coming up next, who is an above-average hitter. So it doesn't make the odds work any better. No. So yeah, there's, there's no defending this decision from a tactical perspective. But what did Joe Madden have to say to defend his decision? Uh, I gotta scroll back down to it because I scrolled away. Uh, he he said he did it quote just to stir up the group. Quite frankly, end quote. You can't like break a phone. Like Carlos Sombrano did it all the time. It got people fired up. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's funny. It's just funny because the reason why it's funny is because when Joe Madden was with the Rays, he was thought of as the guy that was really uh, on the forefront of analytics using data and, and things like that to make decisions, not just making like gut feel calls or like the traditional baseball decision. And now he's kind of like come full circle where he's the, he's like on the, the back of 
of making like smart decisions. He just makes like weird ones that make no sense and aren't backed up by anything really. Yeah. When Tony LaRusa is more likely to make a decision based on analytics than uh, Joe Madden, you know that something's just like they're past their prime. Yeah. But, but it is, it is hilarious though. And, and they still a, won the game and yeah, I, I don't know how, but that's the part that we need to remember that just cause they won the game does not make it a good decision. Like you got to look at the process and the process was just awful in this situation. Yeah. But I think a lot of baseball fans had a lot of fun discussing this one and, and that's at least entertaining and, and fun. I'm not sure I have fun so much as I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy old Joe, man. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's also a guy that's been criticized for his tactical decisions uh, in the past. Uh, in the World Series with the Cubs, he made a lot of decisions that were not that great, and he ended up lucking, lucking out and uh, winning, winning those games. Like, Ac- who knows? Accidental- if- he accidentally got a rain delay in, in Game Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see if that might bite the Angels if they do end up playing some playoff games this year. Like, I don't know. Joe's the wild card. You never know what that man's going to do. Yeah, I'm not sure that man knows what he's going to do. No, he doesn't. Like, he didn't know when he brought Austin Warren that he was going <laughs> to do an intentional walk. The base is loaded. But okay, enough of that. Let's talk about some uh, teams that have gotten off to really hot and really not hot starts this uh, season. The first is the Rockies, and the reason I bring them up is because things could definitely turn for them. This might be the last week of the season that we could say that they're really hot, but they're 8-4 and four to start the year. They've played all but two of their games at Coors Field, so that's probably part of it. But before today, their bullpen has been uncharacteristically good for them. Uh, fourth best ERA in the league for their bullpen. And, uh, you know, all the hitters that they brought in seem like they're actually playing really well. Chris Bryant, Randall Grichuk, uh, and then they extended one of their own in Kyle Freeland, uh, getting, uh, what, he got five years? uh, Yeah, it was like five years, 84 million? 64, I think. 64? Yeah. But Uh, basically the only only way they can uh, kind of get pitchers are are to develop their own and then extend them, which now they've done with both uh, Freeland and Antonio Sensatella. So, okay. So Freeland five years, 64 and a half with a vesting option for a sixth year. Um, and he can opt out after year three if he's in the top five in Cy Young in 2022 or 2023. So basically, there's no opt-out for so Kyle Freeland. Good, good luck, Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. I um, still think he's the pitcher that makes, makes the least amount of sense in their entire rotation. Yeah. he's. I think he's a fine pitcher. Like, Oh, he's a fine pitcher. He just doesn't make sense for them. Yeah. He's had some success there, though. So maybe he can get it back. His first year was really good. But overall, on the Rockies, is there actually a chance they could compete? Because if they play the way they have, it's possible. 
I mean, yeah, if they keep playing the way they have, um, that, let's see, the division right now, uh, basically, and I mean, we're only 11 games in, um, 14 games if you're San Diego. I don't know how they've played 14 already, but sure. Um, but yeah, so we're 11 games in, so no team is out of it, obviously. Um, you could infer that Arizona's out of it. But if Colorado keeps playing the way they are, San Diego, they've still not got all their guys back. They're not getting Tatis back for a while, and he's the guy that makes that team click. Uh, Trent Grisham's not had the best start yet. Um, they've got just a lot of... They've got a lot of guys, really, and I don't know if they know who is their starters at midseason or whatever, based on who's on the roster now. They've been throwing out C.J. Abrams a little bit, trying to get him to break through. Um, Kim Ha-Sung over at short. Uh, is Cronenworth playing second? Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's doing okay. He's not doing phenomenally to start the year. Yeah. Hosmer is doing fantastic burning worms yeah a lot of ground balls they're getting yeah, through pretty much um but his numbers look good right now <laughs> but yeah so, but, get, but getting back to the rockies though i think the path for them to be competitive is kind of do what they did last year at home which is play really well win a lot of home games they did that last year and they probably can do that again this year because they're always successful at coors field they usually build their team in a way that they they have that advantage and they won almost 60% of their games at home last year. They were yeah. awful on the road. They won 26 games at on the road last year. So if they even improve that by like 10 games and then play about the same um, at home, then you're talking about a roughly 85-win team. And that's yeah. a team that can probably be on the borderline of the playoffs with the expanded uh, playoff situation for this year. Now, um, so the, I guess the point that I never actually finished because I did my whole rambling thing uh, with San Diego there is Colorado can compete basically if that San Diego team never finds their footing, it opens up a lot of doors. Now uh, in Colorado's um, or looking at their uh, record here, we actually have, no idea what this team is going to do on the road because they've only played two games on the road in their first right. 12 games. Exactly. So they're six and four at home. They are two and oh on the road so far. With the Rangers. <laughs> yeah. And that's another team that like could be great, could struggle. We don't really know. It's going to take a while for them to fully gel and us to know what, who they are. So this probably very likely is just a fluky start just because they're at home basically yeah, the whole time. Probably. But it's definitely an intriguing one to watch, though. Yeah, and they've had some really standout performances. CJ Crone leads the majors in home runs. He's got six already. Um, Connor Joe has been incredible for them, playing a whole bunch of positions. And Chris Bryant's hitting 375. Like They're pretty much getting exactly what they would be wanting from the offense. And the pitching's been just good enough at Coors Field to win enough games. Well, and uh, they're also getting production from their catching position, which not many teams 
do really like get get like substantial production but Elias Diaz so far I think has only swung and missed at like one pitch in the strike zone maybe pretty good yeah like he's locked in right now um and he's a guy that like he came from Pittsburgh a while ago and wasn't really good there and I think it's just people thought he was a uh backup catcher and that was what he was going to kind of peek out at but here he is starting for Colorado and he's doing pretty good here to start 22. So. Okay. Switching gears though, on the, on the downside, really struggling are the Cincinnati Reds. They dropped another game today, uh, finishing off. They got swept by the uh, Padres and they're now two and 11 and nothing is going right for this team. Like offensively uh, pitching wise, their bottom tier in both phases of the game there. And none of their players are really doing much except for the, the only bright spot really has been Hunter green at this point, who's been really impressive in his first two starts. So that's something to look forward to the future for, but right now this team is just getting all the bad luck in the world. Like just yesterday, Mike Moustakas, Jonathan India got moved to the IL uh, they've had uh, Nick Senzel being sick and missing a bunch of games. Tyler Naquin's on the COVID IL right now. Tyler Stevenson got run into at home plate by Luke Voigt. You never want that to happen. And now he's on the concussion IL. And Joey Vado's hitting under uh, 150. So not great. Yeah. No, getting hit by Luke Voigt would be like getting hit by Albert when he was running from first to home yesterday on that Tommy Edmund triple. Uh, he'd, he'd break a concrete wall. Like, that yeah. man is just pure muscle. Not fast, but oh my God, would that hurt. Yeah, and he just, it was kind of a very awkward looking slide. I don't think it was meant to be like a dirty slide or anything, but... He kind of like put his hands up and just hit uh, Stevenson in the in the head. So that that could not have felt great. Yeah, no. But I don't know. Like, it, is this Reds team just doomed? Are they just never going to recover from this? Like, they they've had a, a start like this in a recent year that I remember where they just started incredibly poorly. And they Isn't just it last never. Year? I, I think it might have been last year, or was it? 19. Maybe it was both. Very well could have been. It probably was both. Let's be real. So even Um, if they, they'll definitely play better than this, but it's going to be hard. Like you're, you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage when you start two and 11. Now in their defense, they did have a four game series against the Dodgers, which uh, you would expect the Dodgers to win that series. So, that's three losses right there. If you expect the Dodgers to win the series, not necessarily sweep. They played four games against uh, Atlanta, which you would expect Atlanta to split that. And they did. So there's two more losses there. So you're at five. So really the thing that gets them to where they are, that makes you go, are they that bad is um, losing both games of a two game series uh, versus Cleveland. And um, getting swept in a three-game series uh, in San Diego. 
So San Diego is definitely a better team, but I don't know. I would have expected the Reds to take at least one of those. So looking at their schedule, I would really only be expecting like four and nine at best right now anyway. Four and nine just feels so much better than two and 11, though. Well, it does. Well, no, you're right. But like, it's also not that much different just due to the small sample size. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Win percentage is a huge difference there. But I don't know. I I still don't have a whole lot of hope for that team. No, no. And this start does nothing to soothe those uh, fears. No. And you start if you're if you're the Reds, you start to worry a little bit because the team that you thought, yeah, we're definitely better than them uh, in Pittsburgh is five and seven. Um, and I don't think they've been swept yet. I'm checking to make sure I'm. Oh, no, they did. They just got swept by Milwaukee. Oh, Bruce, uh, they yeah. Finished up today. Yeah. But. That's a considerably better start. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Four games against St. Louis that they are sorry, three because there was a rain out. They did manage to win one. They won one of two against the Cubs. Three of four against Washington, like. They've had an easier schedule than Cincinnati for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But they've also played some pretty solid ball during those games, too. So, yeah, if I were the Reds or a Reds fan, I would be a little scared right now. Yeah, okay. So uh, a couple other notes here. A couple of retirements that were announced this week. Jake Arrieta, Tony Watson, both uh, veteran pitchers that kind of uh, are retiring now. So we're going to give them a moment of uh, recognition, I guess. I I did see... um... Jake Arrieta is retired from professional ball, but he is still pitching uh, as like the parent pitcher for his nine-year-old's little league team. Uh Oh, and he accidentally struck out like five, (laughs) nine-year-olds because they only get to face five pitches and he's uh, too good to pitch to nine-year-olds. So he struck out five accidentally striking people out was what he was doing in 2015 and 2016. He also hit one. Oh, that happened. And too. when you in, he said that in the league they're in, hit by pitches, you don't go to first. You just go back to the dugout. So he just pegged a nine year old and they just went back and sat on the bench. That is, that is sad. Yeah, but with Arietta, I think everyone's kind of mentioned this, but I'll mention it again that uh, his stretch there in 2015 was pretty much one of the greatest, arguably the greatest stretch of half season for any pitcher ever where he just dominated. And it really carried over into the first half of 2016 as well. There was a 30 start period where he had like a 25 and one record with like a one ERA or something ridiculous or less than that. I think the only um, like half season stretch that I can think of that comes even close is DeGrom last year at the beginning of the year. Like his first half was dominant, but but Arietta was something else yeah. in fifteen sixteen. So 
he did win the Cy Young that year in 15. So yep. fantastic career. So kudos to him. Um, uh, one, uh, one other note that I wanted to mention. Uh, so we're now two seasons removed from the COVID season. But it's not gone. I know we've talked about there being some teams that are going to maybe not have some players when they go up to Toronto because you do have to be vaccinated to enter the, the country of Canada. Um, but we're starting to see some mini um, COVID breakouts amongst some teams. Uh, Boston has a couple players that uh, have COVID right now or had it here this week. Um, same with Oakland. And then today, uh, Seattle um, actually had... Um, Uh, Seattle actually had um, uh, Scott Service. Sorry, I'm trying to think of the people now. Uh, Scott Service, the bench coach, who I don't know his name, and um, uh, the Paul Seawald all go down on the COVID IL today. So, yeah, and then Cleveland also had a number of players that got placed on the COVID IL this morning, too. So. Mm. Oh yeah, because that was what Naylor. I don't think it was Naylor. It was. Uh, was it not Naylor? It was Owen Miller, and I can't remember who. Cal Quantrill, a couple other guys, but yeah, it's definitely still around and it's affecting things. So. Yeah. So hopefully they can get that under control, but I mean, we're now in year three, so I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, okay. So what do you say we move on to talking about some of these hot and cold guys? Let's do it. All right. So Nolan Arenado has been off to a very cold start. He has been awful this season. Oh, worst wait. worst player in baseball. Oh, wait. He's actually hitting 433, 514, 1000 with four homers in eight games. So he's doing awesome so far. And um I kind of put together a couple of tables here, just comparing uh, these players' performance in March and April to how they performed for that specific season, just to see what hot hot starts kind of lead to, and if they lead to anything. So, with a guy like Arenado, he's actually just a star player, so he kind of plays well all the time, and he's got off to a whole bunch of hot starts in his career. So this is no different than that, really. And um, he always ends up with really good end-of-season numbers and everything. So th there's not a whole lot to take away from that there. Anything you want to add on Arenado? Yeah, so I guess Arenado does... Um, so being a, a superstar player, like his his starts are always like average player or better in the month of April. So 100 WRC plus or higher. He has had a couple of instances where he... Um, or a couple seasons where he's gone like absolutely bonkers in the first month. Um, his start right now is kind of looking like it's going to be one of those like 2016, for instance, he had a 160 WRC plus in March and April right now. Uh, even though we are really at only about a half a month, um, he's got a 277 WRC plus so far. Um, so an absolutely phenomenal start. Um, and I don't know. It it does kind of feel like he is uh, settling in here in year two. So 
I, I was calling that last year when he was a little uh, underwhelming for his. Yeah, uh, his I mean, career. yeah, that's a good point because obviously he made the the switch over uh, from Colorado to um, St. Louis, so different hitting environment. But um, WRC plus, which is a stat that we like to use on this podcast, if you're new here, it's a all-encompassing offensive statistic that takes into account the different parks that they play in. So it's scaled to 100, with 100 being average, and every point above being that percent above the league average. So Arenado's had 119 WRC plus for his career. 19% 19% above average. Um, and when he was in Colorado, it was like in the 120s um, or 130s basically every year. And his first year in St. Louis, it dropped down to 113. So he wasn't like really a superstar, I guess, offensively. And maybe he'll bounce back to the, those Colorado levels. We'll see. Yeah. Like he was still a really good player last year. I think all in all, he had like a four war, which is a, when you look at like war totals, I think four is considered like an all-star player. Yeah. It's um, like a so, star, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so still really good, but not what we're used to seeing. Now it's looking like we're seeing what we're used to with him. Uh, what do you say? We talk about another guy who is on just an absolute monster tear that uh, today, I'll just give you his numbers today. Um <laughs> And then I'll let, I mean, you know who it is, but I'll give it a minute and see if chat here figures out who it is. Uh, his line today, uh, two for eight with a home run or a, a grand slam, a double, uh, five RBIs and a walk. Yeah, yeah. it is definitely J Ram. Great job by Dreslin here in the chat. Um, the, the dude is in an unreal tear right now, but how does that compare to how he normally does in March and April? Uh, yeah, so he's definitely gotten off to some cooler stars before. I mean, every, every, every April and March or March and April was cooler than this one, I guess. But, um, in like 19, that was a year that he really just was struggling a lot in the first half. And then he went crazy in the second half, but he, he just had a 49 WRC plus in that first uh, month. Um, but usually I f- feel like by looking at the the numbers here, he seems like a guy that, that is actually even hotter in the, in the second half of the season usually. So I'm wondering like, is this the year that he, there's no adjustment period for him. He just has a full amazing season and he can be like an MVP this year or win the MVP finally. Yeah, that it'd be, I don't know. That'd be a crazy season. Cause just like 2018 was his, his best season to date. And he, uh, his March, April, a 132 uh, WRC plus, which was still significantly cooler than the rest of the year for him. Uh, Cause he finished the year with a 147. Uh, and he put up 8.1 war that year. That is phenomenal. Um, if he doesn't have an adjustment period this year, it's going to be definitely 2018 esque, if not, um, nearing that 10 war mark. 
And that 10 war mark, that is a huge deal if you can get it. I think in recent memory, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout might be the only two that have done it. Yeah, kind of jumping around here. But speaking of Mookie, in 2018, uh, when he won the MVP with the Red Sox, his year-end WRC Plus was 185. So just out of this world, amazing. And in March and April, it was 207. So that was kind of like that, that sign that this season's going to be a special one. So that's kind of like what I'm seeing with Jose Ramirez here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that's a really good uh, comparison there. And I guess staying with Mookie here, he is not I'm worried. so hot. I'm going to be honest, I'm really worried about this. It's not the so he's currently rocking a 55 WRC plus, which is like catcher territory in like the defensive catcher territory. Yeah, um, maybe a little worse than that, even. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. He's rocking a 55 WRC plus right now. I don't have his numbers pulled up here on anything else. So give me a minute. Uh, 177, 270, or sorry, 171, 277, 220 slash line. Um, he's only got a handful of extra base hits. Don't think he has a homer yet. Not even a handful of extra base hits. He has two. Um, he does not have a home run. He's only got three RBIs, taking five walks. Like, I don't know. It, this is it's just obviously way really too early weird. to make any grand statements about what kind of season he's going to have here, but it, it almost makes it seem like he's injured or something or the same injuries he had last season are carrying over. He had the hip injury. He had some back issues and he might be just trying to play through it. So last year, even when he played through his injuries and everything, he missed some time. He still ended up with a 131 WRC plus absolutely elite player able to do that. Um, yeah. But. Now, in his career, he does start colder than he finishes. Just kind of in, like, obviously, 2018, when he had that 207 in March, April, and won the MVP, had like 11 war or something stupid. That one's kind of not what I'm talking about here. Uh, in 2017, he was pretty consistent around a 110 the whole season, but 15, 16, 19. Uh, 21, um, he uh, he finished a lot better than he started. So, like, yeah, that's probably also going to be the case now, but this looks like something different entirely to, to me. Yeah, I would agree to that. But, you know, like, a guy's right in his prime, right? Unless the injuries are the, the problem. Uh, there's no reason that he can't get it back. He's he's too talented to to be down for too long. So I'm not I'm not giving up on him. No no doubt I'm not. But I mean I'm, I'm not either. Keeping, Heck, keeping an eye on him. My cat's named after him. I can't give up on him. I don't think I'm <laughs> legally allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Talk about another player that's not quite like the stars that we have been talking about here. But he's kind of approached those star level uh, seasons in the last few years. 
but the beginning of his career was not so elite. And that player is Marcus Simeon, who's uh, with Texas for his first year of his big seven-year contract. He was a guy that was kind of around league average for 2015, 16, 17, 18. And then he had a crazy breakout in 19 with the A's. He's a guy that's um, kind of had numbers that are in uh, March and April that are similar to his end of season numbers, I would say. And um, except for 2021, where he started out really slow and then he finished really hot with the Blue Jays. This year, he has barely done anything at all. It just like really rough start for Simeon. Um, hitting 128, 190, 179. So like no power, really no on base at all. Uh, it, so it's been tough. Yeah, I'm looking at your chart here and I looked at it and it's like, there's got to be a typo there. And uh, there might be, or it might just be he had a good game today. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, these numbers from yesterday. So, um, well, actually, the number I'm looking at here is also from yesterday. Um, but like, even with the typo, it ain't good. You had eight, yeah. it's 18. But that's worse than pitchers were when we had pitchers hitting. I think I said last week when we were talking about Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, and how bad he was last year. The Simeon start is looking like JBJ last year. I think JBJ altogether. had like a 50, 59 WRC plus for the season or something like that. Mm, yeah, probably. But yeah. But yeah. I understand your point. Like it's it's horrible, and it's not going to continue like this. Obviously, but are you concerned about Simeon? I mean, I've kind of always been concerned about Simeon. Like he's only had the two really really good hitting years, uh, and that was nineteen and twenty one. Yep. Um, twenty twenty, obviously, throwing that out the window. But he's thirty thirty what thirty thirty one. 31 years old um, and his uh, not really his rookie season because technically he played in both 13 and 14, just only 85 games total across those two seasons. But uh, when he went to Oakland and started playing full time, like age 24, 25, 26, 27, he was always right around that league average guy. And then all of a sudden at 28 years old, which is prime years to be fair he just goes out and finds power and goes from a, a 10 home run guy to a 30 and then 45 home run last year guy it just i don't know it just felt weird to me i just no matter how many times in a row i watched him like just have major success just my brain couldn't believe what my eyes were seeing there yeah so, I, I think that makes a lot of sense when when you see a guy make such a drastic skills jump and the, the skills are real. Like he, he is a much better player than he was earlier in his career, but it's also something that you're like, this really popped out of nowhere. And I'll be surprised if it sustains for like a long time, basically. Well, and with some of those numbers that inflate WRC plus home runs being a big one. Oh yeah. The um, guy hit 45 home runs. That's like mind-boggling that Marcus 45 home, ever runs 45 home runs in a season. Across, across Dunedin, 
very Homer friendly park. Uh, Toronto, also a pretty Homer friendly park. Um, what? And Buffalo. Yeah. And Buffalo Homer friendly park. Yeah. Uh, and we know that the ball last year was never the same ball. Sometimes it was juice. Sometimes it wasn't. So like, he may have benefited from some juice ball homers. He probably got screwed by some unjuice ball homers or unjuice ball warning track flyouts. There we go as well. But I wouldn't expect 45 home runs again, meaning I don't think his WRC plus is going to reach 130 by the end of the year again, ever. Like Texas is a pitcher friendly park, if I remember right. Yeah, but the WRC plus again is uh, park adjusted, so ah, that that's fair. There. That is fair, but um, I don't know. But yeah, I'd, he's not going to put up the same production home run wise or or any of the run scoring or anything like that because he's just in a worse lineup. Um, but it's hard. It's tough because I love Marcus Simeon, one of my favorite players to watch, and. I really think he's going to get it together, though. Like, I still believe in him. So the one other question I have is, who has he faced pitching-wise? Has it been, like, really, really good pitchers so far? Uh, it looks like they had three against Toronto, which Angels, is a really good rotation. Two against Colorado. Um, a four-game set with the Angels. Uh, and then they are playing against Seattle this week. Uh, game two, what? I think, is just starting. Tough start for them, though. They just won two of their games so far. Oh, dang, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's... Yikes. Their pitching's Not been weird. awful so far. Uh, we did predict that in the um, <laughs> AL West preview. <laughs> Not a real uh, out-on-a-limb prediction, was it? No, not at all. In fact, that was more of the trunk of the tree. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely expect Simeon to get a lot better here um, moving forward. And he'll finish the season in above average hitter. I have no doubt in my mind that he's just not going to be what he was last year. Because, I mean, heck, one month can really really hold down your numbers too so even if he goes and like plays the rest of the year like he did last year he's still not going to finish with similar numbers yeah and i I guess i'll make this point right now so there's a lot of uh hyper focus by people on everyone's numbers and stuff at the beginning of the season because they change so wildly um one day you can gain you know 50 points in batting average whatever and people are all these guys are going out there and and they know their numbers and they don't want to start out badly. Like literally every player is thinking like, I want to get out off to a like fast start. But the thing is these bad stretches that players have have at the beginning of the season, they happen during the middle of the season too. And the end of the season as well. And those don't get the same attention. You go over 15 in the middle of the season. No one bats an eye. No one even notices it. And that even happens to the studs like Mookie Betts and Mike Trout. Like those happen all the time. We just pay so much more attention at the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, it's like getting off to a hot start. Um, and, and I'm going to use Arenado as an example since we talked about him. Um, getting off to a hot start just kind of makes it so people give you a little bit of leniency if you have a bad game. Because, like, Arenado's been phenomenal. Um, I think, what was the number I said? He was a 277 WRC plus so far this month. Well, if you looked at it yesterday, it was actually 312. He went over <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Um, and so his numbers just look significantly better um, because he's been really good in the first seven games and then had one bad game. But someone who has three bad games looks awful. So it's one of those that that's why you want to get out to a fast start, just so people don't get in your head, basically. Yep, and you don't yep. get in your own head. All right. Well, our last guy uh, that we've got here to talk about is uh, having a really rough go of it. And I'm so sad. It's Joey Votto. And Guy completely changed his approach on last season where he was going for more power. It really worked out for him quite well when he got into the groove last last season, hitting like a ton of bombs. And uh, it was, you know, it was just completely working for him. And I totally believed that those changes were going to carry over to the season and he was going to be awesome. But maybe Joey Votto is just old now and he's not going to recover. Well, and so he changed his swing last year and then this year he changed his bat. So like he's always messing with stuff too. So maybe his bat is not as beneficial as he had hoped. Maybe that's part of the problem. And as soon as he either changes back to a model closer to what he was using before, uh, he can't get the bat that he was using before, which is why he switched, but he changed up models entirely and went with one of those hockey pucks. Maybe if he goes back to a model that's designed the same way as old bat was, maybe he fixes it. Who knows? So he just, he changed more stuff than most people do. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I'm sure he has made those choices and he feels like those were the right things to do. So I almost don't know if it's like, would it be the right thing to do to just abandon ship when you've been planning this kind of change for the entire offseason, for example? Probably not, but he might find that there's another adjustment he has to make in tandem. Yeah, and and that's the thing about Joey Votto. He's always been a guy that's been able to make those adjustments. Even when we thought he was completely washed in, uh, what, 2019? He came back in 21 and became really good again, so... Well, and in 2019, when we thought he was washed, like he wasn't great, but he was still a solid player. Like he no, he finished but, with well, basically well, we 100 WRC to, plus. Compared had, to what he'd done previously in his career, which was being just an awesome player, super yeah. stud. Yeah, but like he finished that season, that 2019 season, on a hot streak. In June, he was on fire in 2019. He just had three bad months that dragged his numbers down, too. So, like, even when he was bad, he was still good. Absolutely, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens going forward with him, though, because it's, I think the Reds have played, only played, like, have they had any rainouts, I guess is my question. 
Uh, um, they've been on the road. They've been West Coast a lot, so I don't remember any rain now. It's off the top of my head. They they played 13 games already, so probably not. Yeah, probably not. But no, it yeah. looks like they got all theirs in. And and we, I hadn't really thought about it, but they have played really tough uh, opponents in the Braves and then the the West team. So maybe a little home cooking, a little Great American Ballpark in the in the summer will get things going. And let's we'll get, get the, that right field power alley. Let's get that thing going for him. Yeah, forty bombs, Joey Votto. He can still do it. <laughs> yes, he can. In fact, I wouldn't put it past him to put up sixty bombs still. <laughs> he's never done 40 man that's his goal he's never done 40 but watch him do 60 it's do joey it. Votto. I, yeah. I wouldn't put it past him <laughs> yeah don't put anything past that man okay yeah so th- this is pretty interesting to me uh, so basically what i learned is that stars are stars no matter the month for the most part and uh Potentially, if you do have a really hot start, it could be the sign that you're going to have an MVP season. So, yeah, we'll see if any and, any of these hot guys can do that. Yeah, and what I noticed is like, so yeah, stars are stars no matter what, but some stars like still start out cold for them, and so you have these guys that are going out and putting up a twenty percent better than the average player in the first month, and then they finish with fifty percent better. Like that's still considered a cold start to me. And so you see some of these, and even if they're having a good good start now, we could be looking out for for something crazy. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, And before we finish off today, we've got to address our um, fan question from Twitter and you can send those in to us at, at getaway day pod. And uh, we will answer them on the podcast live. Yeah. You can also send them to our Facebook page or uh, as well. So. Yep. That too. So today's question comes from Stacy. And the question is, when a player gets called up from the minors and plays a game or two, how is their salary structured? Would you like to address this uh, question? So I believe the way it works and you correct me if I'm wrong is um, there's essentially three different contract types in, in baseball. There's a minor league contract where you're not on a 40 man roster. You're just on minor league teams. There's a major league contract where you're like Mike Trout, you're not going to play in the minor leagues at all. And then there are split contracts for some players who are on the 40 man. Um, They might get called up, but they're not going to be there necessarily the whole year. And so for guys on the 40 man and have the ability to get called up, I believe they have a different salary rate depending on where they're playing that day, right? If they play in the majors, they have a major league salary per game. That's correct. And same thing in the minors. So, and in those split contracts, the rate for the major, uh, major league contract is the major league minimum of 700 and was it now 740? 700, right? I thought it was 740. Okay. 740, whatever the minimum salary is. I thought it was 700, but. Uh, We covered it a couple weeks ago in the CBA thing. Yeah. So basically you get paid, uh, 
prorated based on the number of days that you're um, on the major league roster at that major league salary rate. So if you get sent down, then you'll be making some minor league salary. Um, and I believe those actually changed with the new CBA as well to where they're higher. If you're on the 40 man roster, but you're in the minor leagues, you're going to be making more money than you were in the past. Yeah. I think it's up. Those are up to like 50 or 60. I think now. Okay. 50 or 60 K. So definitely a substantial pay difference. You would like to be on that major league pay if you can be. Yeah, exactly. So you're making major league salary every day that you're on either the active roster or you're on the major league injured list. So you blow out your arm while you're in the major leagues when you've been first called up you're still going to be making that major league salary while you're injured on that injured list so that's at least a benefit of being injured when you when you make to the majors but yeah um weird to say a benefit to being injured yeah but i i guess it could be worse if you're if you're in the minors when you had the injury yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, an injury can always be worse unless it's death. True. But we'll see how the teams kind of use that. It's an important topic for the 2022 season because now teams are limited to just five uh, options for players. Before, there was unlimited number of times they could send a player back down and then call them back up to the majors within a season. Now they can only send that, that guy down five times in a season. So it could change the way that teams operate. I actually didn't think about that. That could, that could definitely affect the, uh, like we were talking, it was Edward Oliveris, right? They got called yep. up and down like 19 times or 13 times or something last year. Yeah. There was a few guys like, like that, but yeah. Yeah. So like all that travel would be hard, but all that travel, he was on the major league roster and was making a substantial amount of money more. So if you can only do that five times and they don't keep calling you up, I guess you're kind of making less money. Yep, exactly. That's a, ooh, guess who just hit a two-run home run in the ninth inning? Arenado. Arenado. Wow. Look at that. Right on cue. Okay, well, with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap up today's episode So thank you for joining us on Twitch and thank you for supporting us. Uh, Go ahead and subscribe and follow us on our social media at Getaway Day Pod on Facebook and Twitter, uh, YouTube, and uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can listen to this one. So we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you.